into Geek Elite Radio. Good luck. The future comes, and now my watch begins. It shall not end until my death. I shall miss no game, withhold no news, report all rumors. I shall wear no jerseys and plead allegiance to no side. I shall live and die on my webpage. I am the word in the darkness. I am the watcher of the TV. I am the megaphone that informs the realms of geek. I pledge my hands and name to the Geek's Watch for the geeks and all the geeks to come. Welcome back to another shift of the Geek's Watch. We're here talking Black Mirror once again. Season 4, Episode 4? Is it 4 already? Or is it 5? I think it's 5. So 5, okay. Yeah. 4 was okay, Yeah, because yeah. there's 6 episodes in the season, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, Episode 5, um, Metalhead, which, ooh, why it's called Metalhead, or at least why we suspect it's called Metalhead. Yeah, because and, uh, all the titles have been very not clear yeah um we'll get into whether or not we enjoyed this episode and if you've been paying attention for the last four weeks you might uh, you might know where I, i'm gonna go with this one <laughs> but before that let's get to some geek news like we usually do first thing i want to talk about is something that we talked about last week Maisie williams now the report was that Maisie williams let it out that uh the next season the final season of game thrones was going to start in april of 2019 however Maisie Williams has gone on her Twitter and said just a tweet letting you know this Game of Thrones release date quote 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 unquote quote I have supposedly given is completely false and taken from an interview I did years ago so so April April of 2019 is not the release date of season 8 of Game of Thrones what do you think of that John I think that she's probably backtracking oh um, I don't know, honestly. Like, I, I didn't check the original source of the article, so I'm not sure exactly when that was originally quoted. I mean, it seems to be in line with when it's probably going to come out anyway. And it's at this point, it's still over a year away. So, I mean, just, I hope it's not any later than that. I mean, we, I mean, we do know that they just sat down to start reading the script. So, yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be quite a bit away. You, know, you got to take into account they're going to film everything and then throw in the CGI for three dragons fighting. <laughs> three dragons, an army of undead, and who knows what other and crazy who stuff. knows what else, yes. I'm hoping we get a Kraken in there at this point. You know, just, <laughs> just throw everything in and there. And then just finish it off with Cthulhu. Just yeah. showing up he at the end. Be very, you know what? Coincidentally and tangentially, um, I believe George R. R. Martin did a short fan story just for fun. Just for uh, funsies. Yeah, where um, I guess Cthulhu makes an appearance. It's uh, it's not canon, but it uh, I think it involves Tyrion and uh, Jamie trying to figure out how to take down Cthulhu. <laughs> it's very weird, but... That I, is very weird. It was done as like a little fan joke, I guess. <laughs> uh, what's the first story you want to talk about? Uh, the first trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp has premiered. And it looks like a jolly good time. Uh, I mean, I would say that I really, really enjoyed this trailer. Um, obviously, it shows it. It begins with 
it, it kind of shows the beginning of uh, the Wasp or Hope Hope's character being like upset at the fact that she wasn't involved in Civil War. Um, Scott having to explain why she wasn't involved or why he didn't ask for her help, and then it ends with her being like. Oh, but you know, had you actually asked for my help, you wouldn't have gotten arrested. Like kind of thing, like kind of throwing out that you're still not the good one. You're you're not good at this. I'm better at you, better than you. And then, you know, you get the later on in the trailer where he Scott is talking to Hank and he's like, "Hey, you gave her wings." And he's like, "Yeah, I sure did. I also gave her these blasty things that comes out of her wrist." And he goes, "Oh, but you didn't have that stuff when you were making my suit, right?" And he goes, "Nope, I had that stuff." <laughs> it's like you know, it's more. Uh, well, we know that they had that because of the flashback with him and uh right but i mean scott doesn't wasn't oh, at the well, flashback yeah, he, was, he wasn't <laughs> he couldn't see his mind's eye no all right so uh, yeah but you're right you're absolutely right we we knew that the, the tech was there already it's it's just funny that he didn't it's the more of a shitty nun scott lang kind of part of the story he line. says well you're not one of those ants that has the wings so. <laughs> um uh obviously they threw they threw out more of the whole making everyday objects bigger to uh for comedic uh, comedic effect just like in the first movie we had the thomas the tank engine growing huge this time we had a hello kitty pez dispenser growing huge which i wonder if what's that going to do more for pez or for hello kitty i I don't know i I imagine it could help uh sam rio a little can you imagine eating a pez like bite the size of a brick <laughs> that would be, that'd be if pretty they tasted big. good that'd be kind of awesome <laughs> i've always found they taste like soap for some reason what did now the one of the things that i heard a big controversy for is the is the building the shrinking of the building and turning into a suitcase what did you think of that um, or a rolling suitcase you know what that's funny that uh, somebody said well like why would somebody have built a, a hand like rail thing into a building and then and somebody else commented on reddit well what if the building was already small, and he had just made it big. That's the way I saw it. Yeah, I don't that, know why people couldn't can't think of it that way. That makes so much more sense. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, I mean, it just makes you use less materials, and then you make it big. So now you spent uh, forty bucks instead of four million or forty million to build the whole building. You know, you know, and this is kind of also tangential, but I know that pin particles is basically the answer to yes, this this everything that has the to do catch with all. The, the, yeah. But I really hate how, I mean, just being kind of a science nerd as well, they don't address the fact that, you know, when things are made bigger, they lose density. So, like, that building should technically blow over with even a slight wind. <laughs> or if something like when Scott shrinks down to the size of a gnat, he still should weigh the same amount because his mass hasn't changed. So, like, he should... But he does. I mean, they do in the first movie. They they talk about that. That's why he's able to punch so hard. And also, when he lands on that rooftop of that car, it dents it because he's supposed to be weighing the same amount, even though he's smaller. So the problem is, is the other way around. When things are made bigger, or like the Thomas the Tank engine, when it flew out the window, it should have just kind of floated down the like sidewalk as opposed to crush a car or when uh hank pulls the tank out of his pocket like if oh, that's yeah. supposed to be a big if that's supposed to be a big tank that he just shrank down then that should be weighing down his pocket like yeah that it he should not have been able to pick that thing up yeah no. yeah so it, so it's like it's when it's convenient it'll they'll follow the laws of physics exactly but when, yeah the pin particles i guess take effect so whatever so i just 
It's it's a, yeah, it's essentially just you know just movie magic. You just got to go yeah. with it. Yeah. Uh, the other really part, cool part that I thought I really liked was the knife throwing scene when uh, she shrinks down and then runs across a knife and then grows big again. That does look. I, I thought cool. that was it was a cool little uh, CGI scene, but I, I'm excited for it. I I, I like the first movie. Uh, I mean, obviously it hasn't done it didn't do in the box office as well as the as some of the other Marvel movies, but I thought it was really good. Yeah it it wasn't bad, but I think the problem with a movie like Ant Man, if you could say this, is that. The bar's been set pretty high by Marvel now, so being just a competent movie is not good enough. You know, it was... It, I mean, I don't know. Some people might not like what I'm about to say, but I still think it's leagues ahead of most everything DC has put out in the last 10 years. <laughs> in the last 10 years? Oh, wait, when did Dark Knight come out? I guess that's over oh, 10 years, huh? Okay, yeah. Yeah, that would have been... 2007? 2008 would have been the last one. Oh, wow. Okay. So, yeah, so... Yeah, because that would have been right around the time that, uh, what was it, Iron Man came out? Iron Man came out in 2009? Eight. 2008? I think it's been 10 years. Is yeah, because I think Infinity War marks the 10-year point for this whole process. That's a long time. That is a long time. I think yeah. we Infinity War will be movie number I think it's 20. 20. Yeah. yeah, 20 movies in 10 years. That's pretty incredible. That's Yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah, I want to say that, uh, I mean, from Superman, let's not count the Dark Knight then. Let's just say from Superman Returns forward (laughs) up until Wonder Woman. I mean, that's not fair. You can't just be like, well, we just take out the movies that don't count. (laughs) Which I think is still right there. But even so, my point stands that Ant-Man, although it's just kind of generic at this point, pretty standard by Marvel quality, was still much better than Hell, I will, it, Green Lantern. I, I, and, would say, I would say in the Marvel Cinematic Universe alone, it's better than Iron Man 2, Iron Man 3, oh, Thor yeah. 1, Thor 2. Uh, what else is it better than? I don't know. We there, There's plenty of plenty other movies that we could probably talk about. I don't know. Some, some, yeah, I don't want to get into that. Anyways, uh, yeah, the, it's it's a good movie, and I'm excited for Ant Man and the Wasp. So that's where I'm glad that that trailer came out, and, and I, I'm I'm super surprised that they didn't include more of Michael Pena in the trailer. Seeing as how I think he was one of the the biggest fan favorite parts of the first movie, so I, I assume in the next trailer he's he's going to have a bigger spot. I don't know anybody who is like a diehard Ant-Man fan. That's fair enough. I don't <laughs> think there's that many uh, diehard Ant-Man fans out there. Yeah. It's like, oh man, Ant-Man was my first comic book and you know, <laughs> like got me through some tough times and you know, whatever like that. So, I mean, like it's not bad. It's just like I said, it's just we've had so much better movies as well. It just kind of falls right in the middle. <laughs> okay. Uh Next thing I want to talk about is a Men in Black spin-off movie with uh director F. Gary Gray of Fast and the Furious or Fate of the Furious and Friday and uh Italian Job Fame. Uh, now there is apparently no talks of anybody coming back for this spin-off movie from the original Men in Black. What do you take from that? Well, I mean, is it going to be another origin story where they recruit another 
person and it's introducing them again to the world of aliens. I'm just my biggest question about it is is it going to keep the kind of half like silly tone of the original or is it going to be more like the comics where it's a little like grittier? Yeah, and that's a very good question. I I doubt that I doubt it would be the same because I would say that Will Smith really brings in that that comedic flavor and if they without him in it it's going to be complete it's going to be different in general. Whether yeah. or not they're going to go silly or more serious is, is a is something that they're going to have to decide, obviously. But I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, right at this point, they don't really have anything. Now, you have someone like F. Gary Gray that's going to be in charge of it. It could go silly because, uh, you, you know, like Friday. But even Friday is kind of more of a grounded comedy. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a few scenes here and there for for laughs that are kind of heightened reality, but the whole thing is generally pretty realistic. So, um, I don't know. It'd be interesting how they do it. I hope they kind of go a bit more the greedy route because, yeah, I think the original movie was more of a vehicle for Will Smith's sense of humor. Mm-hmm. You know, like his fish out of water observations and reactions to things is kind of what makes it. And plus, I mean, he's charming. Whether you like him or hate him, you know, he's a charming actor. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess if they got, like, Ice Cube and Chris Tucker, <laughs> it would be, like, really weird or something, you know? I, I don't know. It's, I hope it's not a comedy, basically. It's, like... Essentially what you're saying. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what's your next story you want to talk about? I wanted to talk about that uh, rumors are circling that even though we have not yet debuted Cloverfield 3... God Particle or Cloverfield Station or whatever it's going to be called now. Uh, and more than likely it's going to Netflix. And yeah, more than likely be just a direct to Netflix, not even direct to video now. Cause it's like direct to streaming. Uh, it's uh, the sequel to that movie, Cloverfield 4, is already wrapped. It's uh, supposedly called Overlord and it's a World War II movie set on the eve of uh, D-Day which apparently involves uh, some paratroopers stumbling across uh, some Nazi science experiments and that there's supposed to be a supernatural element to it. It sounds very Hellboy-ish. Basically, it's the the first 10 minutes of Hellboy was kind of what they're describing here. So maybe some Nazis were experimenting with opening a portal and, you know, instead of a Hellboy, we got the Cthulhu Lovecraftian creature instead i don't know what's going on but it's supposed to tie into all of this i think it's going to be the same thing as with the second cloverfield movie which was just a different movie altogether and they just slapped the cloverfield brand on it because it's a name that's recognizable now so might be completely unrelated and it'll only be linked via the uh augmented reality or uh viral marketing campaign which i really hate that they do that now I, yeah, I don't. I I don't care for uh, viral marketing campaign or you know having to go to the website to connect all this shit. But I do, <laughs> I do like, I do like how um, if it, if it's like Cloverfield Lane or Ten Cloverfield Lane, where you know you you essentially have two different, completely different stories, but there's a a single connecting thing. Uh, if they can do that with two more movies, that, I think that's pr- kind of brilliant. Like it's almost like an anthology series movies, where there's just one thing, and then maybe eventually you come back to a, a one final movie that that sums up everything and connects everything even better. Kinda. My only problem, and I really hate that this is becoming this, but J.J. Abrams is famous for having this idea of the mystery box. 
and he did a whole tech talk on it once where basically he's he's I guess it's the whole premise behind Lost where you present a mystery and you just drag it out for as long as possible. And even if you do answer that mystery, you have to present more mysteries. to con- it's, it's like a babushka or nesting doll mm-hmm. of mysteries, you know. And ultimately, that leads to situations where there's never any satisfying resolution. But, I mean, even in the first Cloverfield, you kind of... I mean, you get the answers at the end of the movie, don't Not you? Necessarily, we still never really find out what the monster is, where it came from. I mean, the if you think about it, the real story was in the viral marketing. There was a much deeper story, but you had to sort through all these different uh, websites. There was a website that I actually liked going to back when it first became popular, um, because. It put all of these different things together, and it had a pretty healthy community that liked to theorize and put together their versions of the stories. And well, it, you know, it was always an exciting time when somebody stumbled across a new piece of the puzzle that led to something else, or found something hidden in the source code of a web page that had some interesting like clue or whatever. But the movies themselves feel like they just don't live up to that. That's like. Why even bother? Like, honestly, I didn't bother watching Ten Cloverfield Lane because I felt like that was what was going to happen. And upon reading reviews about it, it was exactly that. Like, the movie was its own thing. It was kind of a character piece, kind of a study on claustrophobia and, you know, an unreliable narrator, which in and of itself sounds cool, but in its connection to Cloverfield, it's almost 99% in the viral marketing. You find out that the dude is like works for the company that may have some connection to Slusho, which could pos- potentially be related to how Cloverfield from oh, the Cloverfield monster from the first movie came into being. But it's all it's it's not in the movie itself, and I don't know. Like I just maybe I'm just getting old. I don't have the patience to scour through all these different well, things to I, get that story. I anymore. would tell you this is that if you haven't watched Ten Cloverfield Lane, you should definitely watch it. Don't worry about it being connected to Cloverfield <laughs> at all. Just watch it for the what well, it is. Why call it Cloverfield? It, it's not. That, it's that, not the movie's fault that it got picked up by J.J. Abrams and then <laughs> added to this universe. It's still a really good movie. If you want to stop before the last ten ten minutes of the movie. Oh, you know, then go right ahead because that's the part that connects to the rest of the Cloverfield that's, universe. I, I just want to say, it feels like a hack move by Abrams, and it, I don't want to believe he's it, a hack. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it's not. I'm just saying, watch the movie because it's fucking brilliant. Like John Goodman should have gotten a, uh, a Oscar nomination for best supporting actor. That movie was that good. I would have watched it for uh, Ramona Flowers herself. Yes. Um, God, why can't I think of her name? Yeah, Mary Elizabeth Winstead right now. Yeah. Or is, is 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 she's great in it, but John Goodman was phenomenal. You should you should really watch the movie just just to watch the movie. Well, I think I will. Just I, I mean, don't know. Dan Trachtenberg directed the movie for I think it's like five million dollars, five or ten million dollars, and it made all kinds of money and it, it's just it's just a really good movie and it came out of nowhere. That's all I'm saying. So what you're saying is it's kinda of like the room. It's kind of like the well, no, it's not like the room. <laughs> What's wrong with you? you? Shouldn't say things like that. You know what though? Like, I, there's a there's a page that has information about things like that. Where it's like, oh, did you know that this movie started out originally as something else, and then when they got a hold of it, they're like, well, we don't know how to market this. Oh, I know. Let's slap on a a, a recognizable title to it. 
one such movie was Die Hard 3. Okay, Die Hard, the Die Hard with the Vengeance is one of my favorite Die Hards. I love that movie. It's, I think it is my favorite Die Hard. But it originally was called Simon Says, and it had nothing to do with the John McClane character. <laughs> they just threw John McClane in. They just they threw just that in there, there because huh? they figured they could tie it in. And they just said, well, it turns out that this is Hans Gruber's brother. Simon Gruber, I yes. guess. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the only reason why his name is Simon, because originally his name was Simon, and he would like to say Simon Says to taunt the uh, whoever he was like terrorizing. Right. I guess. Hey, it worked. I, I'm just saying, it works as a movie. Yes, it works as a Die Hard movie. It th- feels like a Die Hard movie. I think they did that with Lethal Weapon Four as well. Like it was just like a triad Yakuza type movie, and they're like, "Well, let's throw in Murtaugh and uh, whatever Riggs, Riggs." Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, "Well, at least Jet Li was cool in it." I mean, that, that's <laughs> probably my favorite Lethal Weapon too. And I'm like, "Why do I like these movies that?" don't have anything to do with the original source material they just slap on the name on it and it turns out to be good i'm like what does that say like wouldn't that mean that these movies would have been good regardless maybe i mean or like the brand recognition is really what the brand no i don't know if it's the brand but the idea the character i mean you've already went so far with John McClane in the first two movies already. So the idea is that you know what it is that John McClane has been going through, especially his family and his background and all that stuff. That's why in the third movie, you are right there with him. You don't need to do all this character build up with uh, who John McClane is and, and you know, what's his motivations. We already know all that. And now we're in his home environment. We're, we're back in New York where he's a cop, you know, as opposed to LA where he's visiting or, What's the second one? Chicago or DC or something like that? Where, Some airport. Yeah, an airport where. somewhere. You know, it's this is his home, and now he's on his home turf, and he's still getting screwed over. Or when he goes to Russia. Well, the next one's in me. Yeah, like the in, next one's Washington DC. I know that's for sure. Mm. And then the one after that is Russia. Ah. And then the one I don't know if they if they end up doing part six someone will be on the international space station well I, from what i heard like the idea for this the sixth one is going to be like uh it'd be like him as a hostage and having to remember his uh his first days as a beat cop and they would get someone younger to play the young version of john mcclain what yeah okay <laughs> let's move on <laughs> that's weird speaking of jj abrams we talked about this last week uh he was shopping around his sci-fi drama show about the the scientist lady who goes gets into a car accident and then her daughter finds her paper, her research in the basement and then they, she opens up a dimension door to another world where things are happening. I don't yeah. know. Well, that show has landed at HBO. It's, I guess it's being called Demimond. I don't know. That's yeah, that's what it looks like. Uh well, I think we talked we talked about it last week. I mean, it was it it sounded like something you would want to watch? Sounded yeah. like something I would want to watch. It's like a sci-fi Narnia? Yeah, kind of like a sci-fi Narnia. Um so yeah, that's definitely uh out there. It's something to look for. HBO's you know, this is this is the second show I believe I heard about HBO picking up this week. I can't remember what the other show was. But Watchmen or something? Well, Watchmen got its first director. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. It's going to be the director, uh, I forget what her name is, but she directed a lot of episodes of Lef- The Leftovers for Damon Lindenoff also. So. Yeah, all related. Yeah, all related. Uh, did you have another story that you wanted to talk about? Uh, yeah, the one of the co-directors of Crank, Brian Taylor, 
would like to see a Chep Chelios cinematic universe. That's right. Crank. There's going to be a cinematic. He wants a cinematic universe for Crank. Yeah. Which I don't know how I feel about that. Well, the last movie underperformed. So right now, him wanting it is pretty much as far as it's going to (laughs) go. But the idea of it is pretty insane, though, because... I would like to see basically this. This basically would be like a Grand Theft Auto. Because the first movie was very heavily inspired, I think, by video games in general. Grand Theft Auto in particular. Where you have a main character who just does not obey the laws of anything. And just does whatever he wants. Like, with full disregard. And 2 really steps it up by, like, a factor of 10, I want to say. Where you get these crazy dream sequences. His idea was that every movie would be incrementally more insane. So I'm like, well, what would a third one look like? What would other movies that take place in this world look like? That's the that's the part that I under- I wanted to know. Because when you say cinematic universe, you're not talking about just another sequel to Crank with another mm-hmm. Chev Chelios in there. No, there'd be you're other, talking about other characters and you know. how they relate back to Chev Chelios and... All that stuff. So yeah, who? I mean, as soon as I heard this, I was like, who are? Who's the other characters you're gonna follow? You're gonna follow the fucking Pedro guy from <laughs> from Napoleon uh, Dynamite. I forget what his name. Is. Ephraim. Ephraim Ramirez. Ramirez. Yeah. And his twin. And his twin brother. Which is insane that I didn't realize that he had a real life twin. Right. That they're two different people. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's crazy awesome. <laughs> and, like, made could have made for such a meta thing if like. It was his twin that played him in the sequel. That played the twin in the sequel, yeah. I don't know. And then in the sequel, you have a stripper who gets shot through her uh, silicone boobs. And it starts leaking out. How do you go more crazy in in a sequel to that? When I saw that in the theater, I cheered audibly. Because it's so weird and fringe, but it's something I've always wanted to see happen in a movie. Oh my goodness. I'm like, yeah. Have you ever heard uh, those two? Uh, is it Brian Taylor and uh, I forget what the other guy's name is, but Mark something. Mark, yeah, not, yeah they they when they talk about when ugh, I think Brian Taylor talks about what was going on when they were making Gamer with Gerard Gerard Butler mm-hmm. and how you know the two of them were fucking just high on coke all the time and yeah, I think they talk about that on how did this get made? Yeah, that's right. It was on that that he was talking about that, and it's just like. I love that movie. I love Gamer. I think it's a great movie. But just to listen to the two of them being so self-destructive throughout that, throughout making that movie and how it barely got made. Uh, well, those dudes are pretty crazy in general. Well, they they after that they they separated. They went their own ways. They they don't work together anymore. Oh, they just couldn't handle each other. Anymore. Yeah. Oh wow. And uh, Brian Taylor, uh, most recently, and if you haven't watched it or anybody listening hasn't watched it, did uh, the show Happy with uh christopher maloney on on sci-fi channel based off of um uh, grant morrison john ham no it's christopher maloney mm. uh it's got um it's it's based oh off that's of, right yeah kind of confused yeah it's based off of uh grant morrison's comic book of the same name it's got Patton oswalt as the voice of the imaginary friend happy who's a donkey unicorn pegasus thing oh, one of those yeah. yeah you know one of that that old chestnut <laughs> but it's a great show. It is hilarious. It, it has this whole like Christmas theme in it, and uh, Christopher Maloney. You know, I really I I felt bad for Christopher Maloney for so long, like because you know he left SVU probably feeling like you know he 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 wasn't being appreciated for whatever reason. Because if you watch that show, like just about every season, 
uh, what's her name? Uh, the one that plays Olivia Benson, uh, Mariska Hargitay, mm. was getting like uh, Emmy nominations ever for every season uh, for whatever you know show episode that she did. And you could see it in the writing for him that they he was he kept trying he wanted to get that Emmy nom but he never got one, so he's gone on to like do so many different shows at this point because I remember this is the one show where he was the he was ex marine and a doctor and all this stuff and he's trying to raise his family and and you know that didn't work out for him at Fox he was in Man of Steel as. Uh, I think Jim Harper, he basically, essentially, he was, uh, he's supposed to be the guardian, but his character ends up dying in, in Man of Steel. And, uh, I don't know. He's, he's been, he's been all over the place, tried to, trying to do so many different things. And now I, this, this role really fit, fits him. Yeah. The, I've seen the previews now that you mentioned it. I don't know why I mentioned him being John. John Hamm. Hamm. Maybe it's cause I was saw those, one of those tax return commercials or whatever. Oh, maybe. But, uh, yeah, it looks interesting. Kind of reminded me a little bit of Wilford, maybe. Like, it might have a similar vibe. Oh, yeah, a little bit. I can see that. I didn't like Wilford, though. Yeah, I, I wasn't a big fan. I, it was good in moments. I just couldn't sit through a whole episode. A Wilford? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, if you watch, like, a highlight reel, then that's probably all you really need. Uh, okay. So, I didn't have any other stories. Did you have another story? Mm, there is a rumor that we're going to get the first trailer for Han Solo. Well, Solo, a Star Wars story. Not during the Super Bowl, which most people would expect. Well, okay, so we're recording this before the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, this comes out after the Super Bowl will be over. So if it came out during the Super Bowl, we're sorry. But yes, yeah. the reports or the rumors are is that uh, this coming week on Monday, uh, they would have the trailer first trailer for solo a star wars story yes and what a maligned production this has been we're gonna get our first look at potentially um you know what the result of reshooting 90 percent of the movie is with ron howard and uh projections are and uh analysts are basically stating that disney's prepared to let this one just be a flop they want to just put it out there, get it over with, milk as much money as they can on a domestic run, and then just shelve it. Because, yeah, apparently this was a ill-conceived project that, uh, in my opinion, didn't need to get made. From, There's some much better stories it could have focused on. I was gonna say from a lot, what a, a lot of a lot of websites I go to and a lot of podcasts I listen to, and when they do their crowdsourcing or you know. Uh, yeah, you know, research from the sounds of it, a lot of people just don't don't want this movie. A lot of fans don't want this movie. No one really cares for this story. Me personally, I could care one way or the other if they made this or not made it. I, I mean, yeah, I think you're right. I think there are better characters they could have went with. Uh, an Obi Wan story for for one. Um, I don't know. Uh, I would have liked to have seen what happened between episode. You know, six and seven, to be honest, like everything that happened leading up to The Force Awakens sounds like it would have been infinitely more interesting, especially with Luke creating the new Academy and what led, you know, Ben Solo to now, be more friends. What with. do you do you put any credence into that's what the TV series that Disney's going to be working on is, is supposed to be about? No, I whatever TV show they do is going to be something based on the current uh, storyline and it's going to be probably like B characters or side characters it's going to be very loosely tangentially based on the the movies probably going to be more of uh, 
like the the casino planet type stuff or Jesus Christ. You know, yeah. I mean, they made two Ewok movies. That's true. So, yeah, and they were really banking on those things making a lot of money apparently. <laughs> you know, we had a droid cartoon show and a uh Ewok cartoon, Ewok show. cartoon show and neither of those really had that much to do with the actual Star Wars world that they were based on. So, I was like, why make them then? Oh, yeah, marketing. <laughs> Uh, okay, there you go. Uh, that's our geek news for this week. Let's get on to Black Mirror episode or season four, episode five. Metal here, metal head. I don't know what's wrong with me right now. Metal Gear, Metal Gear, uh, Metal Head. Uh, episode directed by David Slade, written by Charlie Broker, as always. Uh, let's see what David Slade, what else he's worked on. Uh, did you know this is the shortest episode? In all of Black Mirror, only 38 minutes long, not including the credits. It did feel pretty short. You know what? I, I'm going to say the opposite. I thought it was felt it felt really? long. I mean, it doesn't feel as long as the other stuff, but it did feel long. Well, it's a very long 38 minutes. <laughs> uh, let's see. Director-wise, he did Powers, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, American Gods, Crossbones. Hannibal, Awake, American Housewife, Breaking Bad, Twilight Saga Eclipse, 30 Days of Night, Hard Candy. All right. I love those two movies. Uh, Stone Temple Pilots, System of Down. All right. So it looks like it came from uh, music videos. And uh, what did you... Okay. So... You know, getting into it, you you liked you enjoyed this episode. I want to say I like this episode. Yeah, i i dig I dig the post apocalyptic mystery of it. I mean, you could tell it's a wasteland now, and you don't really know what happened. And I think in this, the way that the story is told, that works. You know, you don't need some kind of long explanation about like. Uh, you know the war, the blah blah blah, and then this happened, and then, like no, you just it's already I disagree. Th- yeah, you need that. You need that. You're building a world here, and I need to know why all the people are dead. I need to know who created these dogs. I need to know, uh, you know what went wrong. Where I need a little bit of something. You got to give me something. If the episode's only 38 minutes long, why couldn't they add in some some a little bit of backstory? Well, what's funny is that this kind of reminded me of like. Ray Bradbury, Isaac Asimov type stuff where you're just kind of thrust into a situation and you just kind of learn things as you go and you never really learn the full story but what really is important here is not so much the why but more of like how it's affecting the the survivors and then I mean the it, the whole point of the story I guess we can just kind of give like a quick rundown you know you have these three um, survivors essentially who are driving through a you know post-apocalyptic Irish Moorish looking wasteland, and they're going to some some warehouse, and they start scavenging for stuff. At first, you don't really know what they're doing, and they make a mention about how you know whatever's it's, it's, in the box could yeah. be something that could help him sur- not survive, but make his last few days better. Yes. So you're thinking, well, maybe they're looking for drugs or morphine or something. Um, it turns out later, I mean, you don't find out till the end of the episode, it was 
what they were looking for was teddy bears. Such bullshit. So there was a child that was dying, and they just wanted something to comfort it in its last moments, I guess. Yeah, so they, so they went risked on a their lives for teddy mission. bears. That is the dumbest shit I had ever seen. I don't know. I've seen a lot dumber. <laughs> but see, this is why I buy the story, though. Because this sounds like it's a world that's just completely fucked. There's no, I mean, it, it seems like there's no way around it. You know, it, it has a very kind of zombie post-apocalyptic feel with them communicating with weak walkie-talkies and, you know, doing a lot of trying to survive through the woods and stuff. And the whole point of it is, like, they're just looking for whatever little bit of small piece of hope they can find. I'm thinking it from their perspective they probably feel if they could at least do this one nice thing for somebody in their last moments, then it would be worth it, you know, to kind of keep going through this dreary existence that they obviously have to go through. Because at the end of the episode, you also find out, I mean, most of this episode only has to do with one of these um, yeah, like because robot the first, dogs. Oh, okay. Whatever these things are, yeah. But at the end, you realize, oh, like, they've been following, I guess, the, the signal that this dog left behind, so... There's still lots of these out there, and they're probably getting closer to whatever human survivors these people were like a part of, you know, their group. So, yeah, like if you kind of read a little bit more into it, they're probably going to be just as screwed. Like eventually they'll catch up to them. I mean, you can tell that these things have some kind of rechargeability. Um, so, like they're probably solar powered. Even though you can kind of run their battery out, they still, I mean, unless you were to cover them up with something or, you know. We don't know. Block their you leg. have no clue because none of this information is given to you. Exactly. And see, to me, that works. I, I know that for some things that doesn't work. Now, this show reminded me a lot of a movie called Screamers from 95. Okay. And I remember this movie mainly because it was being promoted at the first San Diego Comic-Con I went to. I'm like, oh, this sounds really interesting. I wonder what this is. And then it came out, and it was kind of a shitty movie. But I remember it had really, really cool matte paintings. This was mid-90s, so this wasn't really CGI heavy back in the day. Everything was practical for the most part. Peter Weller was in it. And it's a very, very similar situation. You have these robot-like things that are out to kill humans on this like alien planet. And it turns out there was these two factions. Each one was trying to up the other. At some point, one of the sides developed these robots. They basically called them autonomous swords. Um, They don't really have any defined shape. They just kind of look like a buzzsaw that's underground. And then later you find out they're actually highly evolved and they actually can look like humans too now. Point is, they they give a lot of backstory for what these things are. And it kind of kills their mystery a little bit. It's like, oh, it's just a robot that they built for a war, and then it just became too smart, and it decided both sides were unnecessary, and it viewed all humans as the enemy, not just the one that was the opposing faction. So I would venture to say that's kind of probably what happened here. These things look very human-made. You know, they don't look like they're alien machines. Um, They call them dogs, so obviously that ties into... I thought it was funny that... They call them dogs, and that they they, uh, they obviously look like those uh, uh, robotic dogs that you know people were working on wherever 
you see those videos online where uh, pers- like they're walking on all fours and then a person comes over and like shoves it and it, <laughs> it gets its bearings back and keeps walking. You know, and that's probably why they waged war on us because we could kind of <laughs> tip them over when they're just trying to walk. <laughs> uh, maybe. Maybe that's what that's what was going on there. Interestingly, I kind of felt like they were they look more like fleas to me. The way their yeah, general they shape do, was. Yeah, they kind of do, yeah. Like they had longer hind legs and they were kind of like the way they're body was dome shaped Mm -hmm. reminded me a little bit more of that than a dog but i mean yeah i could kind of see that i uh so i mean cat out of the bag obviously i didn't i didn't enjoy this episode all that much (laughs) i'll say that i enjoyed it more than i enjoyed the other episodes of this season but it's just it's eh. look one of the big criticisms i've had of the season so far is that all the episodes have done have been about kind of about the same thing with the either AI going its own way or, you know, implant inside your brain kind of thing. This one didn't, this was different. So I was like, all right, at least it's, it's something different where, you know, uh, I have still have no idea why the, the robots, you know, are killing humans for whatever reason, but at least it's not, uh, it's not something in cyberspace or something inside your head kind of thing. Or about relationships. Or about relationships. But see, that's also those inside your head. That's, it's all inside the, the app kind of thing. I don't know. Uh, it was all shot in black and white, or at least it was all presented to us in black and white. I don't know if it was shot in black and white. Um, and uh, there was almost no... I mean, there was almost no dialogue in this, this episode because uh, the, of the three people, two of them die almost right away. So it just leaves the woman by herself for most of the episode. She doesn't have anybody really to talk to. She doesn't need to talk to the robot. She's kind of just... It's it's a very quiet episode. So that's why... The differences of this episode is what really got me to, to like it as much as I did like it. However, I just felt like there wasn't enough for me to grab onto to be like, oh, I enjoyed this episode. No, I totally get that. See, I, I guess I'm a big fan of these types of stories where you don't really get a whole lot and you have to kind of fill in the blanks. It can be done wrong, granted. Or the opposite can happen. You get over-explanation of everything, like in the case of Screamers. Um, But I don't know. I felt like... I wouldn't say it's my favorite episode of the season, but I probably like it more than most uh, of this season. And I think it was just because, like you said, a lot of the things that stood out to you, it was mostly quiet. I like that it was very, very visually, you know, driven. You know, and you get a good understanding of what's happening, uh, at least in context to what's, you know, the surroundings. You know, like when she's trying to uh, test the dog to see, you know, what its refresh rate is, basically. Like it goes into like a sleep mode after a while of waiting around. Mm -hmm. So she would like mess with it to see like if it would come back on and it would and then it goes back to sleep. And then eventually it stays shut down, which means that like I guess its battery ran out or something or it just got, you know... It needs to recharge. Mm-hmm. So she sees that as her opportunity to leave. And then you also find out that, uh, you know, they can leave little shrapnel tracers in you. So she has to dig those out. And you understand that, you know, that bites her some time. Uh, but you also see, like, these dogs' robovision, which is, like, a combination of, like, Terminator and Predator, where, like, they can see, like, heat and, like, sound signals and all these different things. Mm-hmm. So... And plus, they also have, they're really advanced. That's the thing that got me. I was like, these things can, like, hijack a car. 
They can get into like the electronics of a house security system. And one one of their legs has shotgun shells in it, or you know, is able well, to shoot like some kind of a gun. Yeah, yeah. But apparently, only just that one leg. Yeah. And so. then when it rips off its own leg, it's able to replace it with a knife. Yes, that was pretty gnarly. I'm like, <laughs> really? That's that's a good robot. That's a good programming. It took me back to my days in engineering when we had to program a robot to make it through a maze. And I'm like, wow, we would have to go such a long way from this little thing that never worked and kept smashing into the walls to something that can recognize a knife as a weapon and improvise. And improvise. That is awesome. <laughs> um, That's what Elon Musk is trying to warn us about right now. That is true. Yeah, it is one of the things that he's trying to worry us about. Now, you get to the end of the episode, and uh, she has once again gotten the little tracers stuck in her. Uh, she's thinking about uh, plucking out the one in her cheek, just like she did earlier with the one in her leg. But as you come to notice, she also has one in her neck. And it's obviously she can't use the knife to take it out because it would eventually kill her. She then decides, well, fuck it. I will just slit my own throat right here and die. I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm not the one in the situation and or whatnot. But if you're already going to die, why not, like, why not let the tracer keep going? And, and she's inside the house at this point. Get as many of those metalheads there and then, like, blow the house up with, you know... The appliances that are there. Why not do something so that you could take some out with you instead of just killing yourself? I don't have an answer for that. I, do, I mean, you that's could, not what I would want to do. I know that for sure. I'm like, I mean, couldn't you figure out a way to block the signal? I don't know. It just seems like there's other options. And it, it, it well, when the robot uprising happens, I want to designate you as the leader for our survival group. <laughs> I'll be your John Connors. Don't worry. There you go. Yeah. Uh, look, I just, I, one of the things I thought was interesting and it, it, it didn't, it didn't, um, escape me is the, the final scene of the episode when you see the teddy bears are in the, inside the box, uh, that whole scene and the scene prior to it, where you're just seeing all the different dogs everywhere is shot with a drone, an air drone. Like, it's not lost on me that they used an air drone for that scene because these are all drones. I mean, it's is that the, the, the story that Troy Charlie Brooker's trying to tell us? Like, hey, we're putting too much faith in these drones? Because that's the, essentially that's what we're supposed to be looking for in all these different stories. What are we put what what technology are we putting too much faith into? Probably self driving cars. Oh well, that's you know, that's what happened in the fucking pizza delivery one. Yeah. Uh that's the other thing about this episode. There's no twist. Like I'm I guess I'm just always waiting for the big twist in uh, Well, these Black I think Mirror the episodes. twist was that they, you know, they make it seem like they might have been going for like supplies, but it's just a teddy bear. Like that's, all uh, of that waste of life and you know, three people died. Four people for died because the the kid's still going to die. Well, he was going to die regardless, but they but, didn't have to go out to risk their lives for the teddy bear. Right. I understand. So it it goes from one person dying to four people dying. Okay, well then, yeah, there you go. But it's just yeah, I, I. If that was the twist that they were going for, I am I am sorely disappointed. 
That was like a M Night Shyamalan, the happening level twist. It was more like a wet fart. Yes, it was. I don't know that I. I'm sitting there waiting throughout this whole episode to be like, oh, what's what's it going to be? Is it going to be like, you know... But this- wouldn't you have been even more pissed if it turns out this was just a simulation? Oh, yes. I would have been even more pissed. <laughs> but- like, See, this is why we can't release these dogs out in the wild because this can happen. But there could have been other things. It could have been like White Bear and this is all come some kind of, you know, reality show thing or... So all of these people that died were criminals? Yeah, sure. I mean, it could... I mean, you don't have to go back and do the same story over again, or but it could have been you like could Man obviously... There could have been something else like the denzel washington man on fire movie no though <laughs> the episode man on fire isn't that the one with the they see the oh they see the the, the roaches yes the yeah. roach episode. Is that, was that called man of fire i think that was man on fire all right fair enough something about man and fire but maybe i've got it wrong <laughs> I no, I'm just saying there could there's a lot of other things that it, I, I'm sure there are a lot of other things that it could have been. It could have been this is an alien planet. This could have been. It could have been that these we were the invading force on their planet thing. I don't know. Just give me something other than teddy bears in a box. We should um, Twitter or tweet out to uh, Charlie Brooker and be like, man, what's up with this season? What's <laughs> I mean, John is enjoying this season, but I'm not. <laughs> I'm doing all right. Yeah, I'm just, it's doing me some some good. Uh, so a couple of things that were um, uh, Easter eggs or trivia about this episode. Uh, in the beginning, this is from the IMDb trivia page for the episode. In the beginning, when the young man tries to hack the car, uh, his device display command lines conclude... Uh, backslash BM, backslash 04, backslash Callister, backslash 60S dot custom dot drivers. Uh, then it says uh, BM04 Mia Nolan, backslash architecture dot system or dot syst. So obviously this is referring to Black Mirror season four, uh, episodes one and three, uh, with Callister being episode one and Mia Nolan being episode three. Uh, and then the last, thir- the third command line is BM04 Reddit backslash Easter dot egg dot cyst. So <laughs> I, I don't know if, if it's, that's a thing. What what if that means anything? That was definitely a shout out to the Reddit community that likes to pour over these things. <laughs> there you go. Uh, in and then the connection to other seasons. Uh, at one point when Bella is going through the house looking in drawers and stuff, uh, there is a postcard from San Junipero. Oh, yeah. Laying on the desk. And that's about it. And that, there isn't really anything else. I mean, that's there's not much in this episode in general. Yeah. I did like it when she used the paint on the, on the, the dog. I thought that was pretty uh, inventive, pretty... Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um... Thinking on your feet. Improvising. Improvision. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. And then when she threw the can against the wall and it goes after the wall and just sits there and keeps stabbing the wall. That was pretty cool, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. I guess I didn't hear her footsteps. But then uh, eventually when she gets to the car, I was like, if that car starts, I'm going to be pissed because those those people were obviously dead for quite a long time and the car shouldn't start. And it doesn't. Unless they're electric and solar powered. Even if it's electric, shouldn't the battery need to be charged every once in a while? Well, maybe they have those spiffy graphene batteries that 
outlast lithium. I don't know. This it's Black Mirror, man. I know. It's it, and that's the problem. You don't know because there's not enough information given to us. It's all I'm saying. Well, maybe they got Damon Lindelof to come over and do a script doctoring of it. And that's why there's no explanation for anything. See, and you go off on Damon Lindelof all the time for this exact reason, and now you're you're, you're well because be this okay. was competently directed. Though I felt like they did a really good job visually. See, I wouldn't be so mad at things like Lost and Prometheus if it, it if at least one major component still compensates, you know, and and some of those others it doesn't. So, in your mind, did you come up with any backstory to what happened here? What, what, why is this world the way it is? Basically, I just adapted Screamers to it, yeah. I figured there'd be two factions. The AI drones eventually couldn't differentiate between uh, either, you know, side. And just, they became the end. Basically, like Sentinels. And who, okay. So, who created the, 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 the dogs in this world? Could have been whatever side these people were on or it could have been another side it could have been a different country altogether uh you know who knows we don't know at all okay these people might not even have been like you know active participants it could have just been civilians that are collateral damage now we don't know i, I know we don't know that's what I, that's what i've been arguing this whole time <laughs> but there's i don't know i guess i'm definitely a big proponent for you know hating on things that don't explain stuff i thought the way that this one did it i'm okay with it why do you think they decided the director whoever decided to do black and white uh what do you think added to the episode two things i think it helped give it a more dystopian look because everything was more washed out the lack of color to me implies the lack of hope that there's like no way to get out of the situation um and from a more practical standpoint, I think it made it easier to do the special effects of the dogs. If you do everything in black and white and shades of gray, uh, they wouldn't stand out as much because it's very clear that for the most part, it was a CGI uh, creature or character, mm-hmm. except for scenes where it's you know staying still, I guess, or dead. I, I assume they, they still, it was still CGI. I, I don't think there was any practical. No physical dog object. Yeah. yeah. So I, they have, those are my two reasons why I think it was black and white, primarily for the dystopian look, kind of like the road, you know, very washed out, mm-hmm. and then also kind of save a little bit of money. So for me, I think the 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 one the image that came to me or the thought that came to me when I was watching this episode was that it reminded me, and maybe it's because it was black and white and that's what they wanted, but it reminded me a lot of uh, Night of the Living Dead, like, you know, being in black and white, these things are somewhat zombies because they're relentless they they keep coming at you for whatever mm-hmm. reason and uh she's running away and trying to find shelter or wherever i mean i really felt like she could have barricaded herself in that house some way but i mean as soon as the dog was able to hack the door the gate and then the door is like oh i guess not and plus once the others started showing up i mean they still have working guns i'm assuming they could have just started blowing out windows or Shooting at the door locks, I'm guessing. I mean, yeah. Was... I don't know. Did Did you have a theory on who was who was living in that house? Because I had a idea that it was must have been some kind of rock star because there was like guitars everywhere in that house. Well, they were definitely well off. I mean, this is a nice. And house. It was a very nice house. You're right, and um, a Range Rover. Yeah, but no, I I I tried thinking like, what if the 
whoever was here is somehow tied to another story or, you know, a lot of these seem to be connected. I couldn't come up with anything that made sense. I don't remember any other musicians. Um, I wanted to kind of be like, oh, what if this is the same house as the one with, uh, uh, was it Donald Gleason and, uh, Oh, and uh, Peggy Carter or Haley Atwell, yeah, yeah, like maybe something like that. But no, but this was a completely different looking house. It was yeah, like this really is, this clean, is, pristine, white. Yeah, walls. it was more modern and stuff like that. That was their house is more of an old farmhouse. Yeah, it was more rustic. Yeah, something. yeah. So I really couldn't come up with anything. I wanted to though. I mean, don't get me wrong. I definitely wanted to find deeper meaning in this mo- in this uh, episode, uh, and things to connect it other than the San Junipero thing. But ultimately, as I don't know, just kind of had to accept it for what it is, I guess. Uh, was there anything else you wanted to say about this episode? Is there anything that you needed to get off your, your chest? Well, only that the last episode, I guess, has a lot of, uh, you know, a lot at stake writing on it for for you specifically. Yes, yes, it does. <laughs> and for me, I just kind of hope it goes out on a bang. Uh, I mean, I've only heard good things about Black Museum, which is the name of the ex- next episode, but I've also heard good things about the other episodes of the season, so I don't know. I don't know what to think about that. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I, I'm hope I'm hoping to, to, that it's going to be something good. All right. Yes, do I. If anybody else has an opinion or like to talk to us about any of the stories we talked about or the episode that we talked about this this time... Uh, go ahead and get at me on, on Twitter as at agent underscore of the underscore bat. John's also on Twitter as I am at magic bollocks. The rest of the geek elite radio is at geek elite radio on Twitter at geek elite radio on Instagram and facebook.com forward slash geek elite radio is our Facebook page. Check out our website, geek elite radio.com for archived episodes of this podcast and other podcasts on the geek elite radio network. But until next time, this is the geeks watch on the Geek Elite Radio Network saying, always remember to geek Geek out. out. We now return you to your regularly scheduled program.